this Thursday, December 7th. I'm Scott Seidenberg. And I'm A.J. Hoffman. The NBA in-season tournament semifinals tonight. And week 14 of the NFL kicks off. Here comes the Vegas truth. This is Straight out of Vegas. We are straight out of Vegas AM, your daily destination for sports conversation with a Vegas lean. Here's what you need to know to start your day. Patriots and Steelers kick off week 14. The Yankees acquire Juan Soto in a trade with the Padres. And the NBA in-season tournament semifinals get underway here in Vegas. What is the Vegas lead, Scott? Well, we are a Vegas show. The show is called Straight Out of Vegas. We talk about the Vegas lead and... Nothing uh, more important here in Vegas than what happened yesterday, and that was the shooting on the campus of UNLV. Uh, Three people dead, one other injured in critical condition. Uh, The shooter was killed by the police. Yeah, so so four total. Four total deceased. Um, No students, though. Um, and, and makes you think that maybe it was a targeted attack. Now, we don't know much about this. The story is still developing as to what happened uh, here in Vegas yesterday, but um, the fact that it was no students and it was three other individuals made it seem like it was not random. Like, it was those people were targeted for whatever reason. Yeah, well, this was a guy who had apparently applied to be a professor at UNLV and had not been taken on mm-hmm. so it's 60 normally 67 year old dudes don't do uh mass shootings yeah so who knows what the uh what what the underlying stuff is but uh, obviously our, our our thoughts and prayers go out to to everyone in this city everyone who was affected by it it's a it's a terrible thing and we had you know the the nba in-season tournament semifinals are here in vegas tonight and the players were asked about it yesterday because they're doing a press conference and it's all over the news. And so the media is in there talking to LeBron James and one of the, you got to ask LeBron, like, are you able to practice today? Like what's going on? Like, you know, you see what's going on outside. There's roads closed because of uh, the police need to get in the way. And it's just, um, it's just, it's, it's sad that things like this have become so normal. Yeah. Like part of our lives to the extent where it's, it's, it's almost cyclical, right? It's the events happen. We get angry about it. Our thoughts and our prayers are given out. There's some social media outrage, and then everyone forgets about it. And, and then it happens again. Happens. Yep. And, and it's really is it really is sad. But we are a sports show, and our job is to you know kind of uh, take away from the serious parts of life and to entertain as best as we can, and help you win some money along the way. And so we will do that and start. On this Thursday morning, like we start each and every Thursday morning, AJ, and that is with the Thursday night football game tonight, kicking off week 14 of the NFL season. It is the Pittsburgh Steelers hosting the New England Patriots. Pittsburgh is a six-point favorite, low total of 30 oh, is that for low? this game. That, that's a, that's a little low. First half total? Or? No, no, that's, oh, that's the full, full game, game total. Oh, okay. Yeah. Here to help us break down Thursday night football, a special appearance, Mr. R.J. Bell. There we go. Yeah, it's, that doesn't. That seems a little sparse. <laughs> Woo, I want more. Yeah, there we go. Augmented, baby. Augmented. <laughs> but I, I got to be honest. I thought it was a little unreasonable to say, okay, do the the big Wednesday taping on the Dream Preview, then be in before dark. I mean, before light to do this segment. But I'm here. 
Yeah, well, I mean, it's pretty much like never going home. So thank I, you. That's what I'm saying. Is I like? I mean, I only live six minutes away, but yeah. okay. <laughs> well, we have a extremely low total for this game tonight, RJ. Thirty is on the board. Thirty what? 30, total, 30 <laughs> points is on the board. We should mention that the Patriots are playing the Steelers, the baby. Pittsburgh the Steelers. Steelers. So that's why we had to have a voiceover in. voice. The New England Patriots, the Pittsburgh Steelers, <laughs> battle for supremacy of the AFC. If he was trying to be John Facende, failed miserably. <laughs> I, can only, a, I can only be me, Scott. He, he wasn't. He wasn't. He wasn't even the guy that does like the the preseason show. <laughs> He's the voice of God. No, well, no. What I'm saying is, is um. Who's the guy that was on the Showtime show? Oh, that- Leif Schreiber? Yeah, oh. yeah. He, he sounded like him. No, I'm not even trying that one. <laughs> so we haven't seen a total this low a lot in the history of the NFL. I mean, it's like the 90, early 90s. In right? our database, we have just two prior games in the 90s that had a total of 30. Both of them went under, by the way. And the database goes back to 1990, so there surely was low scoring before that. But we're talking now like 35 years. Mm-hmm. Is your early inclination that this is another one to add to that total of going under? Well, we well, listen, we, we got – I'm of two minds because in general, and this can be handicapping rule like maybe number three, meaning it's that important in the commandments. If something's obvious, don't play it. Now, if you look at – and I know you got the scores right in front of you, AJ. If you look at the last three scores of the games with the Patriots – 10 to 7 – 10 to 6, 6 to 0. Okay. So that means no team has scored more than 10 points. No. <laughs> all right. So six possible teams, all six under. And we do have a same game parlay up if you're on the main feed. If you're not, just search for the dream preview. And we do a separate pod with that. And this is something that we plugged into the idea that Belichick is not afraid of low scoring games. Now, obviously, they haven't won many. Mm. Right? And this is a rare thing. But a lot of teams will say, let's tr- get some trick plays. Let's go forward on fourth down. We got to get to the score. He wants to maximize the chance to win, even though they're not winning this year. And I think he accepts these low-scoring games. And Tomlin is not a high-risk guy, generally. I think they may even do efficiency-wise, these two teams, more than you might think. But I think the pace and the decision-making will be for unders. And thus, I like the under here. I think you're. this is a great game, a great week for us to have you in because, like, obviously you know the Steelers, but you're also a big Belichick fan. You know you know him, I think, better than a lot of any, – basically anybody who's not in the, the New England media, I, I think you've got a good feel for him. Do you think there's ever a point, because Bill Belichick is also the GM – that he realizes it makes sense for me not to win more games this season? Or do you think that's just not ever going to cross into his his thinking? You know who I think of when I think of this is I think about all the teams that are supposed to lose because the guys that never played likely a competitive – and I never played like a collegiate-level competitive play, you know, so I'll be in that group for sure, is they all want to be like analytical about it. They all want to be smarter and to me, let's think of some teams this year that we would say, there's no real reason for them to try super hard. And then you look at the Colts. Now, the Colts had a perfect example, a perfect excuse. First year, guys got some equity. Their quarterback gets hurt. Their, their high draft pick gets hurt early. Mm-hmm. Their running back's out of camp. 
you know, contract dispute. He comes in, plays a handful of games. Now he's out again. And this team's winning. And now Fez will say, well, he, they're 17th. They're below out. Okay. And that makes it more impressive. You look at the Giants. You know the New York teams well, Scott. Dayball, I believe, I mean, they were, they, had, they were home free with DeVito to be a top two pick. Where do you think they're going to end up? I bet they win at least one more game, if yeah, not more. They're probably going to be in that 8, 9, 10 range. Pick-wise, not win. Yeah, yeah, yeah pick-wise. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So we can debate if that's smart or not. But, man, I l- let me ask you this. Show me a winner, a real winner, that you would be proud. Like, I, as most people that listen know, I'm an Ohio State grad. When I hear Archie Griffin is the only two-time Heisman winner, it makes me proud. Mm-hmm. When I think that an Ohio State grad took on Hitler, Jesse Owens. Look it up, kids. 1936. I'm proud. Tell me a coach that ever tanked that that organization looks at and say, that's our guy. That's the guy that's the one guy I hope they remember us by. I'm asking a serious question. Does no, Greg Popovich qualify in that? That's that's not football. Oh, okay. Football I, is such a okay. physical right, sport. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's such a physical sport, right? And, like, how, how do you not play your hardest and think it's okay? We know a lot of people with low character don't play their hardest based on whatever. But the guy, the, the guys that I like are the guys playing hard every game. The coaches I like are the coaches coaching hard every game. If the GM's trying to tank, that's a different conversation. The coach, though, has to try his best. And it seems like Dayball, it seems like these guys that I think have the makings of the right stuff – They want to win. Well, it certainly always makes more sense for the GM to want to tank than the coach. But that's why I asked about Belichick uniquely because he's he's both he plays both roles. Like he's he's. But but does the GM? Because the thing is, the GM gets fired. Let's think. I've learned a little bit about ownership um, of these NFL teams from uh, Thomas Dimitrov. Is how Mm -hmm. I think you say. He used to be with the Falcons as a GM. Now he's with Sumner Sports. I think is how they say. And. they have a podcast twice a week, and he talks a lot about that when Arthur Blank, the owner in Atlanta, he wasn't there. No, he was involved. He was on the sidelines to some degree, or, or so that's some involvement. But these generally, these guys own what they have billions of dollars at this point, right? The team, other, but they got people running companies that will give them a, a daily report, a weekly report, a monthly. It's not like they're all hanging out together and it's like they're friends from high school, right? Meaning if a GM loses, they get fired. So mm-hmm. why would – I mean, what kind of guarantee can you ever – remember the Giants, when they had Judge, now that that's the um, obviously the coach. Yeah. They gave him – you got next year, like after what week, like 13 or 14, right? Then they lost a couple of games. The media started acting a little crazed in New York. Imagine that. And what happened? He was fired. Mm-hmm. Now, what were the odds that he was going to get fired after they tell him you're good? Meaning, well, you got another year. Yeah, I mean, the odds were slim that that was going to happen. But a little turn of the, the, sure. the public relations. Now, what GM has is bulletproof enough to, to be okay? Well, it can turn. It won't affect me. Unless he owns the team, which mm-hmm. Al Davis, I think, was the last one to do yeah. that. Well, I guess Jerry. Jerry Jones. Yeah. yeah. Well, if, Stephen Jones is more I, like I think, yeah. I think if you're Stephen Jones, you can tank. Yeah. 
Otherwise, think about it. What job is secure enough to tank? I mean, I would think Bill Belichick's job. Except he's supposed to be fired after, or he's supposed to be gone after this year anyway. But I, I, it, would he be gone if he didn't want to be gone? Or? I think so. Oh, I mean, okay. the, the conversation I, is that they've had enough of each other. I mean, you know, it, it, meaning that's what the media in Boston's saying. I think the odds are less than fifty percent that he'll be there next year, Belichick in, in New England, which makes it even less likely to want to tank. If you're not going to be there when you're chasing the most wins in the history of the freaking sport. Yeah. So what do you think about the spread in this one with the Steelers laying six at home? I think fade Andrew Luck. Oh, wait. No. <laughs> well, listen, this number is crazy big. Not crazy big where I think it's great value, but it causes me to do a double take. So Arizona, who has a you know, top dozen quarterback in the league, you know, back from injury. Pittsburgh was laying... Six and a half, or it was five and a half early in the week. Mm -hmm. Six and a half in that game. The game was in Pittsburgh. Yep. Now the Patriots, same number. After they get dominated, the Steelers got dominated in that game. Mm -hmm. How are we really saying the Patriots are significantly worse in Arizona? I think offensively, yeah. Yeah, but that's that's half the game, right? Or maybe sixty percent. I think you would say one has a good defense, one has a good offense, and that they're. They're pathetic on the other well, side of the ball. I agree with the pathetic, but take a look at your your famous and your beloved DVOA. Because right. I'm going to make the case the offense of Arizona is not anywhere near the defense of New England. That's the two we're comparing, right? We're right. saying the other ones are bad or pathetic. So to me, I think the Patriots, there's such a narrative. They've lost a lot of close. Listen, they had the blowout against the Raiders. Or I'm sorry, check that. They had the blowout. Um, against the New Orleans, New Orleans, right? And the Dallas Cowboys blew them out. Mm-hmm. And otherwise, these have been fair. If I'm remembering right, these have been fairly close games. Well, the Dolphins beat them 31 17. Yeah, but that was the first game of the year? No. Oh, no, that wasn't a bad game. I mean, they won by 14, but that was a late score. If I remember right, that was a. It was 24 17. They scored with 2.3 left. Yeah, so, I mean, not a blowout. New England's defense is 11th, Arizona's offense, 26th. Very different, isn't but, it? But. Oh, okay. Kyler I mean, Murray. Kyler Murray's only played a couple I, games. And they, the Kyler but let's look at it from Kyler I mean, I'm saying I, I, Kyler Murray had a good game last week. He had a good first game. But the two in between, there was a lot of talk. Hey, he was fine early, but he, it's kind of not great. Yeah. yeah. So uh, all I'm saying is the New England defense is better than the Arizona offense. You'd agree with that, right? Yes. So thus, this doesn't make sense to me. Because if anything, Pittsburgh has to be downgraded right, from last week. So let's call it a point. Mm-hmm. So now we got to say then the pay and the Patriots don't need to be downgraded from last week. It was six nothing with a five and a half point yeah. line. So in general, this line you'd have to say the Patriots are one point worse than Arizona in order to, for this line to make sense. And even so, Arizona won and covered with New England being. Two and ten ATS. Like, does it? Do you think that? And I mean, you bet on the Patriots last week. Do you, mm-hmm. you like at some point? Do you, do you think that the the betting public is so turned off? That's why there's value. That's what I was going to ask. Like, at what point does that value start? Like, like if I'll make, I won't make the extreme joke that I could because it wouldn't add to it. But if someone got caught for, let's say Deshaun Watson, that's a great example. We know, at least we know the circumstances around what happened. Mm-hmm. We we aren't here making legal judgments. But if I thought no one was betting the Browns because of Deshaun Watson, as a better, we all got our other concerns. I want to be betting with both fists on the Browns. I, anything that causes people to bet 
for reasons other than the, the merit of the quality of the teams or the quality of the matchup. However, it's something that doesn't really affect the outcome. I want to fade that. Because by definition, yep. those effects are things that aren't going to really affect the game, but they're affecting your price. What we as gamblers are trying to do is find out what the truth is and what the truth isn't. And that's really our pursuit. You know, like when you really get down to it, AJ, think about the way you've evolved as an NFL handicapper. I think you've made great strides in, in two seasons. Or I guess this is your third season uh, doing it, you know, full time here in Vegas. Wouldn't you say when you think back to what you've done differently that a lot of it is I thought that was important, but now I know it's not. Yeah. Or I didn't know that was important. Now I know yeah. it is. Well, isn't this tailor-made for us then? Mm -hmm. Something where people are being affected by things that don't really affect the game. So I think there's value on the Patriots. Well, some trends that point to your direction. Uh, since the start of the 2020 season, home teams on Thursday night football, 22 and 36 ATS. Now, that's interesting. So the theory is that there was an idea that there's a big home advantage because of the short rest, but now it's reversed itself. Yeah, and it could just be because the idea is that the home team has such an advantage, it's pushed the line up. Therefore, mm -hmm. away teams are covered. Yeah, and, and also, how many Thursday games were there before this all started back? With You know, it was Thursday on Thanksgiving, right, effectively. Now these teams have had many years to learn how to get ready. What do you do during training camp to get ready for the Thursday game that might be played two months later? Right. So I think the, the road teams are getting better at it probably. The only caution I would have there, and I do like the Patriots, the Thursday advantage tends to get better as the season progresses because teams get more tired. Um, so, and what we found out was the distance traveled matters. Now, New England to Pittsburgh is not one of those extreme distances, but just general Thursday tips later in the season is better for the home team. And if there's the road team has to travel heavily, it's better for the home team. And uh, a, a trend that is helpful for our same game parlay, the Patriots 11 and one to their team total under this season yeah no doubt there no <laughs> doubt there <laughs> and a little teaser for the same game parlay we are playing the under on the patriots team total but go to rj bell's dream preview to listen to our special thursday night football same game parlay podcast now you got me up early i've got to be honest i haven't gone to bed i'm just gonna be honest neither have we Wow, no wonder you're Logie. Well, we, <laughs> we stayed after the Dream Pod, and we prepped for a while. And, all right, all right. Yeah. I accept that. What, am I going to go home and come back? I got a few questions. How are you feeling about Herbert? Oh, terrible. So what do, you what, do you, what do you think is the most likely outcome next year? Meaning there's a new coach almost certainly. Is that going to be the thing that changes it? Because every year I've heard something different. Well, I mean, every year it's all Anthony Lynn was bad, I heard to start. Right. Now, even though Steichen was the OC, right? Yep. Or was he? Yeah. He seems pretty good. Mm -hmm. So what, what's going to be next year? I mean, hopefully he's got some healthy receivers, but I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know. They just had a first-round pick on a receiver. Oh, he's terrible. Is he terrible? Yes. Or, is there, or maybe the Herbert no, receiver it, connection. Listen, there's a lot of things I'll say bad about Justin Herbert right when, now. When, 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 when? I mean, it, it, this is the worst year of his career, but – Quentin Johnston is is a he's a bad football player. He doesn't belong he doesn't belong in the NFL, much less as a first round pick. Scott, the, let me ask you a question. You probably thought this was a bit at some point. Yeah. 
But are you starting to see that, that, like, where are you at on this Herbert thing? Are you starting to be like, you know what? He does have low character. Not yeah. low character, we're no. saying. Low leadership I, I, quality. It's you, the you worst. You're still sixth in our, our composite rankings. Listen, like I said, Jay Cutler. Jay Cutler was usually pretty high in those rankings, too. They never won. That's true. I, and that's what I, I, he might be that. He might be a guy who never wins. Remember, I said Jay Cutler earlier, and you scoffed. You go, what? Uh, listen. What? I, I because I think he is a I think he's a better player than Jay Cutler. And had you asked me before this season, I would have said he's a lot closer to the Dan Marino type of loser than a Jay Cutler type of loser. Uh-huh. Now it's, it's Marino went to the Super Bowl his second year. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, you know, let's see. Will Herbert ever go to a Super Bowl? I don't think so. You really? That's crazy. Because not, not if he's not on this team, not on the Chargers. So you think it's institutional? Yeah. So if he went to, let's say, an average, like Jacksonville, you know, not average with wins and losses, but not supposed to be a bad organization. Jacksonville's never even been to a Super Bowl. You know what's funny about that? That one year they had, they were favorites in the second half against the Patriots. Yeah. yeah, they were in a situation the where the in game, here, yeah. Yeah, the in-game, the in-game odds were mm-hmm. uh, in the second half. There was a given point. Jacksonville was favored. Yeah. Rank the likelihood of these players to ever win a Super Bowl. Okay. Josh Allen. All right. Justin Herbert. Okay. Dak Prescott. Okay. Oh, this is good. I like that. Lamar Jackson. Oh, I like that. He just stumbled onto something here. <laughs> I think you should be very selective from here. Tua. That's the last one. Okay. That's a good one, too. All right, this is what I'm going to do. If I'm, if, if Ooh, I can, bu- Trevor Lawrence. Okay, I don't think he belongs on the list. Okay, no, he might actually. It, it, I'm going to put him on because I'm, you know, I've been pretty down on Lawrence. Okay, I mean, let's be honest. Ah, the savior. <laughs> okay, so if you, if I can buy some more time next week, okay, I'll give you this list. It's a deal because I don't want to do it off the cuff. Thanks, RJ. All right. <laughs> Well, we finally made it here, AJ. The inaugural NBA in-season tournament semifinals here in Vegas. The Pacers and the Bucks in Game 1. That is the Eastern Conference final, if you will. Milwaukee, a four-and-a-half point favorite. Total of 254-and-a-half. Remember the conversation we had the other night about the Pacers and their players maybe wanting this $550,000 bonus prize more than the Bucks? Does that give you any, you know, lean towards the Pacers here? It does not. Uh, okay. I think this is just one of those, the, the gap in talent is so wide. But I, I do think that this is a high-scoring game. And uh, I get it, unfamiliar shooting shooting lines, shooting sight lines. But uh, 254 and a half, I think the pace that these two teams are going to go at, uh, this thing has a, a good chance to get over that big number of 254 and a half. And the Western Conference game, the Lakers, one-and-a-half-point favorites over the Pelicans. Total in this one, 229-and-a-half. And with Vegas almost being a Lakers town, uh, I would imagine that the crowd is heavily in their favor. Oh, no doubt. And it's hard to to want to look away from the Lakers right now. Obviously, the, the game against the Suns the other night it, it ended up get, going down to the wire, but... Uh, it feels like that was maybe the the best team the Lakers had left to beat. Yeah. So you know, I, I don't, I doubt they're going to take their foot off the gas. But the truth is, this Pelicans team is good, mm-hmm. not spectacular in any way. So this feels like a game that the Lakers should be able to handle if they're on their best. But again, who, who I think motivation plays a big role. And I would assume, though, at this point, you get to the semifinals, you fly to Vegas. Yeah. 
everybody's motivated to win. Yeah, and you know what? I joked about this weeks ago, months ago, when when this tournament was announced. I said this is the type of thing the Lakers would win, right? Oh, I, of course. I, I joked about it, and I'm like, oh, just like the the, the bubble and yeah. the bubble uh, championship that, that, that never happened. Uh, but this is the type of thing that the Lakers would win, right? Like LeBron would make it a point to motivate his team and say, I want to win the first ever NBA in-season oh, tournament. When we compare resumes at the end of time. Yeah, when you're looking for the GOAT. How many of these did Michael Jordan have? Zero. Zero. It's right. How many how many NBA in-season tournament semifinals no, has Jordan ever been in? Not even Zero. one. Doesn't even compare. As the Major League Baseball winter meetings continue in Nashville, lots of movement yesterday. The biggest deal, the Yankees acquiring Juan Soto from the Padres, a seven-player deal, and Soto gets traded for the second time in less than 17 months. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's wild because San, San Diego basically gave up their whole farm system to get Juan Soto. Well, yeah, they gave up a lot in C.J. Abrams and Mackenzie Gore yeah. to give up to, for the Nationals. And then, you know, they thought that, hey, pairing him up with Machado and, and, and Tatis. Tatis and Bogarts, like, this is going to be a, a big-time, you know, playoff contender year in, year out. Year one, when they made the trade, it worked out. And they made it to the, all the way to the NLCS. This past year was a disaster, was though, much. and I think the writing was on the wall that they just they were not going to be able to afford him when he hits free agency. And so with one year left on his contract, they said, we're going to trade him and get as much as we can for him in return. The Yankees were always considered the front runners to get Juan Soto, and the Yankees make they pull the trigger on the trade. They also acquire Trent Grisham, so another outfielder, and this is a day after the Yankees got Alex Verdugo from the Red Sox, so they got a lot of outfield depth. But in exchange, the Padres get Michael King, Johnny Brito, Randy Vasquez, all pitchers, and a pitching prospect, Drew Thorpe, and catcher Kyle Higashioka. I'll miss him. Higgy was good. Why? Why will you miss him? Because he was like a few, you know, fans a fan like favorite. Him. Yeah, fans liked him. But hey, the kid's from Huntington Beach, California, so he goes back uh, to the West Coast. Now this is a a lot to give up. Is everything I'm reading? It's a lot to give up mm-hmm. for for Juan Soto. Uh, particularly, there's no guarantee that Juan Soto is going to resign uh, with the Yankees. Is this like, I mean, if Juan Soto has the year that he had last year for the Padres, this is a massive failure, right? He didn't have a terrible season. He still got, has one of the you know top walk rates in all of baseball. You're going to slide him in in probably the two spot of the order, right ahead of Aaron Judge. Or if you want to, you know, maybe Judge leads, leads who whatever you want to do with this lineup, right? It's going to be it's going to be an elite lineup. He had 35 home runs last yeah. year. Like it wasn't that bad of a year. Like yeah, the average was down. Uh, the, the walks, like I said, he still has an incredibly high walk rate. He walked 132 times last year. So I, think- I guess actually last year was like the uptick year because he didn't he hit like a 230 something the first year in San Diego. So this is like 270 is yeah. is a nice bounce back. So I think and you have the short porch there in right field. I think it's a. This is a move that the Yankees had to make. The Yankees were certainly going to need to bolster their lineup. Uh, they got to get pitching as well. But you knew that they were going to be uh, players in the market here for some of the big name players available, and they do pull the trigger on the Soto deal. Elsewhere, the Diamondbacks add to their pitching rotation. The National League champs get Eduardo Rodriguez, my guy, your guy, Erod, a four-year, eighty million dollar deal. 
Like, what day are we supposed to bet on the Tigers now? (laughs) (laughs) That was the day. It was like every fifth day you say, yep, let's bet on the Tigers. Now, I don't know. Well, now you can bet on the Diamondbacks when Zach Gowan pitches, when Merrill Kelly pitches. Brandon Fodd emerged in the postseason as well. And now you got a lefty in Erod. Listen, good good for the Diamondbacks. We often see teams make a deep run, especially these smaller market teams make a deep run, and then they just sift off into the ether. The fact that the Diamondbacks are investing $80 million over the next four years in this guy lets you know they, they want to be serious and contend for the next several years. So uh, this is a big move for a franchise that historically hasn't been big spenders, as particularly since they won their World Series. Mm-hmm. Like they, They've been more of a budget team. This is them pushing some chips into the table and, and saying, hey, we, we think we can actually win this thing. And elsewhere, the 100-win Baltimore Orioles – uh, bolster their bullpen. They're, you know, they're going to be without their all-star closure, Felix Bautista, who's having Tommy John surgery. Well, they get Craig Kimbrell on a one-year deal with an option for 2025. So Kimbrell leaving the Phillies and going to the Baltimore Orioles. And what's like, is Kimbrell still a, an elite closer or is he a, is he solid? Maybe how, is there an upgrade or downgrade from Bautista? I guess is the question. Well, I think he's slightly below Bautista, but him and Yenier Cano probably in, in a, in a elite bullpen back end of the bullpen. I think he still has, I think he still has stuff left in the tank. And the next, uh, the biggest thing that we're just waiting for here is uh, for the rest of the winter meetings. Obviously, there's more deals are going to get done. I think the Yankees and the Soto deal kind of opens up the floodgates. But Japanese sensation uh, Yoshinobu Yamamoto is going to come to the United States. He's 25 years old. He was 16 and six with a 1.21 ERA for the Oryx Buffaloes this past season, 169 strikeouts and 164 innings. Nice. And uh, you have until January 4th to sign him. And so the Mets are making a strong push. They're trying to, you know, maybe pair him up with, uh, with Kode Senga, and maybe that's a good selling point for the Mets. The Yankees are making a push as well. Everybody wants this kid, Yamamoto. And I don't know if that, hey, if you get Yamamoto, does that mean that you have an inside track at Otani as well? Who knows? Uh, But um, that's certainly one of the next dominoes to fall because I don't think any Otani signing is happening anytime soon. I think that is going to go. I think that's going to wait for a little bit. I mean, it's it's certainly a, a complicated, more complicated deal for Otani because mm-hmm. for Otani, like the question is, do you pay him as a, a, an elite pitcher? Do you pay him as an elite hitter? Do you have to pay for both of those things? Like, this is going to be an unprecedented contract. If Otani hadn't gotten hurt, this would be like. I think by a mile, the biggest contract in Major League Baseball history. Yeah. It still may be the biggest. It still will be, yeah. But, I mean, it, I, th- I think it's certainly going to be diminished. It's just a matter of how much. Yeah, so I think I think the first domino to fall will be Yamamoto, and then I think we'll see an Otani signing. I'm not saying that they're linked, but I do think that the Otani saga will take a little bit longer than this week in Nashville. Heavy schedule of games on the ice tonight, AJ. The Bruins hosting the Sabres, Boston minus 250. Kings are at the Canadiens, LA minus 215. 
The Maple Leafs at the Senators, Toronto minus 130. Sharks at the Red Wings, Detroit minus 290. I think you like something in this game. I'm going to go with the over. Uh, the Sharks in their last three games, they've started to find some offense. 16 goals total for the mm-hmm. Sharks in their last three games. The Red Wings, 15 goals in their last three games. This is a team you like the offensive uh, prowess yep. of. So I'm going to say take a shot over six and a half. Yeah, Red Wings playing good hockey right now. They, they are a team on the rise. Blue Jackets at the Islanders, New York minus 195. Stars at the Capitals, Dallas minus 140. Lightning at the Predators, this is split minus 110 both ways. The Ducks are at the Blackhawks, Anaheim minus 125. Jets at the Avalanche, Colorado Minus 155. Hurricanes at the Flames. Carolina minus 120. It is the second of a back-to-back for Carolina on the road. They had just lost in Edmonton last night. 6-1. Boy, the Oilers so hot right now. Uh, Flyers are at the Coyotes. Speaking of hot, Arizona's minus 115. Arizona has won five straight games, AJ. I got a home team. That's won five straight games. Four, at, the, at Mullet Arena? Four of those. Yes, at Mullet Arena. Four of those five have been at the Mullet. And it's only minus 115. I, I, I like this Flyers team. I do. I just think the Coyotes are hot right now. Uh, the Wild are at the Canucks. Vancouver's minus 125. And the Devils at the Kraken. New Jersey, minus 145 as well. Make sure you guys go to pregame.com. Take advantage of the coupons we have available for you, including our special for Army-Navy week. Army 15 is the first coupon. You can get $15 off your purchase at pregame.com. Head to pregame.com. Use the promo code ARMY15. Take $15 off of your entire purchase. For A.J. Hoffman, R.J. Bell, our special guest, I'm Scott Zettenberg. We are Straight Out of Vegas AM.